Welcome to episode 297 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about risking everything for the glory of Jesus. Let's dive in. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about God's calling on our lives. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the last couple of episodes. But I wanted to take it one step further and give one more episode just on this idea of God's calling on our lives. It's interesting as we look at this idea of a calling or the fact that God is leading us somewhere in life. A lot of us tend to be very passive or we tend to not want to be bold. In other words, it's like, okay, well, what do I need to do, you know, to get into heaven and, and, you know, have God's approval. But outside of that, can I just live comfortably and passively and just kind of live that American dream in this pampered age that we live in? But what you see in scripture is that God desires to use men and women who are fully given and yielded to him in a way that radically changes the world. I remember hearing a quote by D.L. Moody. Uh, Moody was this well-known evangelist, and, and he had heard a man by the name of Henry Varley say this statement. Varley said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully surrendered to him. And when Moody heard that quote, He says, I aim by God's grace to be such a man. And it's an interesting thought that the world had yet to see what God can do with a man or a woman who was fully yielded, fully surrendered, fully abiding in him. In other words, what could God do if someone just said, Lord, here's my life. Let it be fully given unto you. Now, God did some incredible things through D.L. Moody's life. And yet I'm fairly confident that the world has still yet to see what God can do with a man or a woman who is fully dependent, fully surrendered, fully obedient, fully given over to Jesus Christ. Recently, I've been just freshly pondering that idea of what does it mean in the calling that God has for our lives or as we're walking backwards into the will of the Lord, just as he's given us light for the next step. What would it mean if we were actually willing to take more risk on Jesus? What what would it mean if we were more daring for the gospel? If you've grown up in the West, again, we live in this very pampered, sheltered, comfortable, Americanized dream. And in one sense, I'm very thankful, (laughs) very thankful for the fact that I, I live in America and God has blessed, you know, my life in a lot of rich ways. And yet... Because of that, it's so easy to grow passive in our spiritual lives. It's easy to lift our foot off the gas and just be like, well, yeah, someone else will do that. Yeah, someone else can share the gospel. Someone else can live a radical life for Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'll, I'll cheer them on. Yay, go. But what if the Lord actually is wanting to do that in all of our lives? Isn't it interesting in the early church when Jesus ascended and sent forth his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that the believers were so emboldened by the Spirit of the Lord to radically go out and change the world. 
In fact, what you begin to see is that as the persecution increased and they began to scatter around the world, that the world began to be turned upside down. I love the statement in the book of Acts where Paul is being accused of literally bringing the gospel into all of Asia, which at that time would have been the country of Turkey. And it says in, in Acts chapter 19, verse 26, this is the accusation seen in Ephesus where Demetrius stands up and is accusing Paul. But he says in verse 26, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable crowd saying that things made with hands are not God's. In other words, what is the accusation? He's accusing Paul of literally causing such a stir and having people leave their former way of life and embrace Jesus. That in just a matter of a couple of years of Paul being in Ephesus, this word began to spread all throughout Asia and now just the whole the whole world is in an uproar. <laughs> I just love that idea. Or I love Acts 17, verse 6, where Jason is brought before and he's being accused. And the accusation against him is that he is one of those men who turned the world upside down. And what's interesting to me is that most of the early church, they were just living their lives. And yet they were living in such a way that it was radical unto Jesus Christ that they were bold for the gospel, that they weren't shying away from opportunities to evangelize. What about our lives? Is it possible that God is wanting us in his calling and his leading that, that he wants us to be able to take more risks, to be more daring, to be more bold for him and the gospel? Well, I know, but what if I'm persecuted? What, what, what if there's pain? What if there's problems? What if people throw things at me? Well, that's just part of the course. In fact, that's what you're promised if you're a believer. You're po- promised suffering and difficulty and persecution and trials. And and if you look at Paul's list, you know, was, I was stoned. I was beaten with rods. I was, you know, shipwrecked. I was scourged. I mean, you start to look at the life of these early, early disciples and you're going to realize, okay, it wasn't easy. And yet it was so glorious Because the glory of Jesus was lifted high. Jesus was magnified. His preeminence was seen because of the willingness to be all in on Jesus Christ in whatever they did. I think for a lot of us, we have a tremendous fear of man rather than a genuine fear of the Lord. In other words, if if I'm actually concerned about what people around me think, if I'm concerned about the impressions and, and it's not going to be popular or it's, you know, it's not the language of the day or I'm, I'm timid because, well, what if it means imprisonment or what if it means my death? Do you realize that I'm walking with a fear of man that's actually going to stymie the gospel It's actually going to shut my life down and make me passive because I'm going to be more concerned about what the people around me think rather than saying, okay, Lord, Here's my life. Let it be wholly given unto thee. That that Jesus, would you just do something in and through my life that here, here's my body and my blood. You can use and spill it however you desire. There's an interesting passage in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is giving the parable of the talents. And you see a very similar parable in Luke chapter 19. But this man goes out on a journey. And so he gathers his slaves. And it says in Matthew 25 verse 15, 
To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Now, for clarity's sake, when it says talent, it's not referring to like abilities or giftings. A talent in this day and age was an amount of money. In fact, one talent was equal to just over 15 years of labor. (laughs) So we're talking quite a bit of money here. And so one man is given five talents, meaning he is given 75 years worth of income and he's supposed to do something with it. And what you see is that each of these characters do something with that which was entrusted to them. Now, it says in verse 20 that when the master had returned and was settling accounts, that the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And also the one who received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. It's an interesting parable, but I I want you to see it through the lens of what God has entrusted to us. God has given us something and it's not money, right? It's your life, which is far more valuable than silver and gold. And you have a limited amount of time. And the question is, what are you going to do with that which God has entrusted to you? For a lot of us, I think, especially in the American culture, we have gone off and done that which that servant with the one talent did. We just kind of bury our lives in the sand and just be like, well, well, you know, when, when God gets here, I'll be like, here you go. Rather than saying, okay, God has given me a limited amount of time to live for him, for his glory, for the sake of the gospel, to make Jesus known, what am I going to do with my life? And what if I would be daring? What if I would be bold in how I lived? What if I'd fully give my life over to him for him to spill and to spend however he so chooses? What if I would be fully yielded, fully given, fully dependent, fully abiding, fully surrendered upon Jesus Christ and say, Lord, if if you want to take my life like a Jim Elliott and and march it into the Indians, the the Aka Indians, and and you want to, hey, the very first hello, you, you... my life is is killed be, because of the gospel, but yet that is the doorway that brings forth the gospel to these people. Well, then, Lord, I'm in. Lord, if, if you want me, you know, to to stay in America and you want me to labor on your behalf, but but in so doing, you bring a great harvest. Then, Lord, here here's my life. See, I I don't want at the judgment to just present my life to God and say, okay, well, thank you, thank you for that time. 
wouldn't it be amazing if, like the man with the five talents or the one with the two, that that we could take our lives and say, Lord, look, look at what you've done through my life. Look at the bounty that, that you produce. Look at the, the harvest that came out of, of what you were doing in and through my life. I love the fact that the man that had the five talents and the man that had the two talents received the same declaration from the master. In other words, both of them heard, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And I love that idea because each of those servants were given different amounts according to their ability, but the reward was the same. In other words, the reward was based on the results according to their capacity or their potential. In other words, I don't have to compare myself with you or some great Christian in the past. Rather, they all were given. The one that had two talents multiplied it, doubled it. The one that had five talents multiplied it. He doubled it. And both of them used their full potential and their ability. Both of them fully invested themselves in the master's work. And the return to the master was, was double. See, wouldn't that be neat if our lives were fully given over to Jesus Christ and, and what we gave him was this, not just, Lord, thank you for my life, but this was like, wow, look at the harvest you did through my life. So maybe here's a key question. How can you and I bring God an outrageous, enormous, huge return for what he's entrusted to us in our lives. In other words, we all have limited time and we don't know how many days we have left, but in whatever time God has for you, would you not use it for yourself? Would you not spend your time and your resource on you? What if we would be fully given over to Jesus Christ? And as Henry Varley said, what would it look like if this generation finally knew what it looks like for God to do something through a man or a woman who is fully yielded to him. In other words, why? what if I would invest not just in the temporal, in the, in the now, what if I would invest into eternity? What if I would actually have that eternal mindset where I'm not just living for the pleasures of here and now, I'm not just living for the self-protection. What if I would actually live for God's glory, for his renown, for the declaration of the gospel, and I, and I would actually see the value of the eternal, the, the longevity of eternity, and begin to live with that mindset now. I've, I've been deeply convicted over the last couple of years thinking about Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew, his biography, The God Smuggler, if you've never read that, you, you need to add it to your list. It is such a good book. And it reads like a like a spy novel. I mean, it is it is such a well written biography. But but brother Andrew, when God got a hold of his life, and it was right after World War II, he began to smuggle Bibles past the Iron Curtain into these communist countries. And the stories after stories after stories of just how God moved and God just leveraged his life to to encourage the church and and to bring the news of the gospel you know, and through the word into these closed countries was just, it's amazing. And if you know Brother Andrew's story, when that book was released, he obviously was in one sense found out and it was really hard for him to get past the Iron Curtain. And so he began to kind of direct his focus then 
all right, well, God, what do you, how do you want to use my life? And he began to spill and spend his life for the Middle East. And so he began to go to all these countries in the Middle East and began to declare the gospel. And, and God just began to do some really amazing things through his life throughout the Middle East. Well, over the years, Brother Andrew has been one of those characters that I would often point to and be like, okay, here's a man in recent history, and, and at the time he was still alive, where I'm like, okay, he's living a radical Christian life. He's all in on Jesus. And, and he's just postured himself saying, Lord, if, if you can use this, you know, this humble, frail little man known as Brother Andrew, then here's my life. Do, do what you want with me. And, and he was willing to take great risks. He was willing to be incredibly bold for the sake of the gospel. And God was doing some amazing things in and through his life. But I was deeply convicted when he died. Uh, this was what, what, a year, year and a half ago. And as he was approaching, you know, the, the end of his life, someone asked him, all right, Andrew, if, if you could go back and redo your life, what would you do differently? And his statement has, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it has deeply uh, convicted me. And his statement was this, if I could go back and redo my life, I would live more radical. And I don't like that answer. And the reason I don't like the answer is because when I look at Andrew's life, I that's the life that I would point to to be like, okay, that's what radical Christianity looks like. That's what it should look like. And yet Brother Andrew is saying, yeah, but there is so much more to be had. And in light of eternity, man, I could have risked more. I, I could have been more daring for Christ. I could have been more fully given unto him. I, I could have been more yielded, more obedient, more surrendered, more dependent upon his spirit, more... And if Brother Andrew could say that, I have no excuse. So let me wrap it all up by saying this. God has a calling on your life, and ultimately it is Jesus Christ. And he is wanting to lead and guide our steps. But can I encourage you, as you follow and go after Jesus Christ, could your prayer to him be, Lord would you do something over the top in my life? Not so that I would be known, not so that biographies would be written about me, not so that the focus could be on me, but so that my little life could glorify you, that this whole thing would be from you and through you and to you for your glory alone. That somehow, Lord, could you embolden my life? Like the early disciples in the book of Acts, that when the spirit of the Lord came, those who were running in, in timidity and fear were, were suddenly emboldened by the gospel. And now they were willing to go and preach the name of Christ, not because their ability had changed, but because their avail availability had changed. And there was, they were available unto the Holy Spirit. And, and the reality of, of, of what the Spirit was wanting to do through their life, they were just yielded. And they began to live these radical, daring, risky lives for the sake of the kingdom. And they, they didn't care the consequences, that they didn't care the repercussions. They just says, Lord, would you be glorified? Would you be lifted high? Would you be magnified through my life? And our world is so dark. It is, it is, it is so desperately needing a movement of Jesus. And I love the idea that God wants to take our lives and leverage our lives for his glory. So could your life not be about you? Could your life not be about your fame and your renown and your prestige and your popularity or your anything? 
Rather, would you come humbly before the cross of Christ? Would you come and give yourself in this surrender, dependent, abiding life, just saying, Lord, here is my life. I'm yielding it unto you. Use my life however you choose and, and bring forth glory and majesty to yourself through this little life. Lord, would you embolden me to declare the gospel to the world around me? And Lord, whether you send me overseas or whether you just have me walk out my back door, Lord, here's my life. Use it for your glory. Let us take Brother Andrew's words to heart and not wait to the end of our life and look back and go, wow, I wish I, I, wish I was more radical. Rather, what if we would take a hold of his words now and say, okay, here's a godly man later on in his life looking back saying, if, if he would be more radical, Lord, I want that kind of a life. Let me begin to live a radical Christian life for your glory beginning now. And wow, that is my prayer for, for myself and that is my prayer for you, that we'd be all just going after Jesus Christ with such a vigor that we would be willing to risk everything, life and limb, for the sake of the glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I hope that's just a blessing and encouragement to you, not to turn inward, but to keep your gaze fixed on Jesus Christ and keep pursuing him with full abandonment. Well, for show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 297 for episode 297. And until next time, know I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you as you continue to build your life around Jesus Christ and hopefully press into this more radical, risky, daring, bold way of living for him and his glory. See you next time.